The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. Welcome to the Ringer Gambling Show Friday edition, an action-packed show for you guys. We're going to run down some of House's favorite bets, get a couple of mine in there, get your favorite bets, see what House agrees with on that front, talk about all of the bets, plus obviously some other big games that are being played this weekend, and dive into the Baker Mayfield game from last night. Baker Mayfield, absolutely a miracle worker. For Sean McVay house, I have no idea how he did it, like off the top rope. I don't know what the hell I was watching there because I don't think it was possible that he would have been able to get inserted into the game, let alone play as well as he ultimately did at the end there. Definitely some of the plays that he had, some of the throws that he had, the miscommunications killed a couple of drives, right? They killed a couple of drives because he underthrew one guy just into the dirt because he didn't know the route. He ran the wrong way and he took a sack. Like these are drive killers in general, but I mean, man, he more than made up for that at the end for the LA Rams and really, you know, made history. I think a lot of us are going to remember that game that he came in there and performed that way. And we watch years of football and we're going to have hopefully a long life and watch years to go. And that's going to be a memory that's going to last in our minds, I think. I'm okay with having Baker Mayfield along for the ride. I like him uh, in, in in this role. Like, this is the beauty of sports. And you talked about history. 
Like, literally, look at this. The 98-yard drive was the longest go-ahead touchdown drive that began in the final two minutes over the past 45 seasons. I mean, history being made out there, and, and Baker himself, he completed, completed 15 of 20 passes in the fourth quarter, the second most completions in any quarter of his entire career. So we we got to witness something special, and that's the beauty of sports. Now, as uh, gambling guys, I had the Raiders in a couple different kind of pieces of action at the beginning of the week before Baker Mayfield was, uh, you know, uh, available on, on the market in any way, shape, or form. And I had to move off of those positions yesterday, and I ended up uh, happily playing a tiny bit of Rams money line, but definitely played Rams plus the six and a half once Baker was in the mix just because of the uncertainty of the situation. Now, I there was a tweet from last night. I'm going to read it to you. Let me see if you Josh McDaniels Raiders literally have lost games to an interim head coach who never coached in the NFL and a quarterback who didn't know the playbook. And the Raiders have lost four games after leading by 13 or more points. That ties an NFL record. Do you know that tweet, Warren Sharp? I do know that tweet because these fingers typed that tweet last night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's some headline shit right there. How is how is this how is this man McDaniel's going to be the head coach of the of the Raiders next season? The Raiders have really put, painted themselves into a corner here. I I don't know. That's it's it's bad bad. Um, look, this is this is exactly for, well. We'll talk about McDaniel's in a second, but this is exactly what we were discussing earlier. I've tried to I tried to share this with you guys. You guys should know this. You like the listeners of this show. Whether you're hearing me on Wednesday or hearing me on Friday, you should know this. Teams are coming back to win games that they were trailing more than they ever have before in history. And the reason is because of games like this and coaches like this. What happened early in that game? Josh McDaniels was throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. They were opening up the offense a little bit more. And then they got into this comfort zone, which is very dangerous to be in, in 2022 where you're running the ball a lot, you're not gaining a lot of yards, and you're okay punting it back after you control the ball for three, four, or five minutes. I mean, you're okay with settling for field goals down inside the red zone when you've got a lead. All of these different factors come into play when you think everything is safe, and the reality is it's not safe because prevent defense sucks right now, and opposing teams, even with quarterbacks like Mayfield who have 24 hours to actually like run 20 plays on offense and then get trotted out there. They understand the basic concepts that they need to implement. And if they get the right defensive look and the offensive guys running the right route that the quarterback thinks he is, there's an opportunity to have a completion or to throw a touchdown pass to win the game. I mean, um, these coaches need to put their foot on the gas all four quarters no lead is safe, not because offense is going crazy in the NFL, but because of the way the defenses are going to play your offense and the likelihood that you're going to be kicking the ball back to your opponent if you are not playing as hard as you can offensively to try to continue to gain first downs and being aggressive. Now, for McDaniels directly, I mean, I I, I never bought into this guy as a coach. Um, I like there, – there are certain guys like Todd Bowles, right? Great, brilliant defensive mind. Probably not a head coach. Dennis Allen for the Saints. I mean, we talked about this on oh. earlier. Dennis Allen for the Saints. 
great defensive mind, obviously knows how to play Tom Brady, not head coaching material. It is okay. Uh, there's this uh, principle called the Peter principle where a guy performs so well, and hopefully I don't butcher the definition here more or less, but a guy performs so well at lower levels that he continues to get promoted. And eventually he finds himself promoted into a job that he's unqualified to hold. And that's exactly what I feel like some of these coordinators end up happening to them. And I like the guys that realize it and they say, hey, this is my comfort zone. I'm great calling defense or I'm great calling offense. And yeah, I would make more money and I'll give it a shot. But there's no shame in moving back to the side of the ball and specializing in what you are good at. And McDaniels obviously knows how to call offense. He's not aggressive enough. He's not a good enough tactician as a head coach. Um, this is a reason why when asked, I made a recommendation not to hire Josh McDaniels as a coach. Um, uh, when, I, when I was asked that question by uh, a team I consult with and you know, there was, it's not just the only reason I did work on it further than that and shared a little bit of a report, but uh, I did not recommend Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Well, there, there we go. Uh, uh, and you, you mentioned Dennis Allen as well. And the, the, the observation you made um, about teams coming from behind, holy cow, look at the two Island games that we had this week, Monday night football, Saints, Tampa, Thursday night football, both of those games, you know, crazy unders in both of those games, teams went out and snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. I don't expect that through the balance of this slate for week 14, though, Sharpie. It's an amazing slate. It's an absolute murderer's row of divisional matchups. We're in December. We have divisional games. We have bad weather. It's football season. Now, let's touch very briefly before we jump into the slate on how last week went. Uh, we went one-on-one -on -one with the betting buddies. I don't know what happened with all of the Tennessee Kool-Aid. Um, I feel like Tennessee might be who we thought they were. You know, at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of uh, discussion around, you know, what is Tennessee showing up with this season? Is this a transition season for them? And then they went out with Vrabel, and they're so tough uh, um, and institutionally sound that they came out and won a, a bunch of games. But I think what Philadelphia showed us uh, on Sunday revealed the true version of, of Tennessee. And this is the second consecutive week that Derrick Henry was held, um, you know, to, to very low yardage. So fourth uh, we lost that Fourth one. consecutive week. Fourth oh, consecutive week. Very he's, low? He's, yeah, well, let me pull up his stats here. Derrick Henry's stats. Um, yeah, so against the Broncos... He averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Against the Packers, he did total 87 yards, but that came at only 3.1 yards per carry. Then Bengals, 2.2, and then Eagles uh, this past week, 2.7. So after reeling off like 6.8 yards per carry against the Chiefs on November 6th and 6.8 yards per carry against the Texans on October 30th and back-to-back -back weeks, putting up two touchdowns in each game, topping 100 yards in each game, he hasn't cleared 100 yards since. He hasn't averaged more than 3.1 yards in any game that he's played. And in these last four, he's totaled uh, one rushing touchdown in four games. He's not running the ball quite as well. And keep in mind, after that game with the Chiefs, he popped up as a quick blip on the injury report, if I'm not mistaken, mm. with a foot issue. And I'm not sure if that's what is part of this or it's the O-line is playing really badly 
but he has not been running the ball nearly as effectively. And then we knew right away once uh, once their number one wide receiver went out, I have no idea how he held onto the football in the yeah. end zone, Amazing. but he went out with a concussion. And uh, after that point, like they never really stood a chance. So I, I'm, I'm still reluctant to say the Titans are who we thought they are. I, I don't necessarily believe that, but yep. I do believe that they were outclassed and outmatched and couldn't do what they needed to do. They had one like avenue to have success against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that avenue of success was basically get their secondary to step up and play better than we would expect. Other than that, like they just had to hold serve with what we what we know they can do, which is run the ball a little bit, hit some plays that, he, that Philly is without a couple of wide receivers and uh, sorry, defensive backs. And once your number one wide receiver for the Titans goes out, boom, that takes away the ability to have some explosion down the field. And then when Derrick Henry is averaging 2.7 yards per carry, and then you get down by 14 points, I mean, lights out. So will they perform better? They absolutely own the Jacksonville Jaguars. In the last 10 games, the Tennessee Titans are 9-1 and against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They need to win this game, but so does Jacksonville. And so I think this is going to be a really interesting uh, chess match here and, and it's going to get pretty dirty and gross and it's got a low total like a lot of these games and you said you you see good games on the board here from a betting perspective though how do you feel because I am seeing less opportunities this week than on a typical week I think this card is relatively gross I had a super hard time coming up with angles that I absolutely love this week the only bet and we'll get to it later on involves two divisional leaders that are underdogs that I've teased, that I've teased up to two score games because of a lot of the features of the December divisional matchups, because of the low scoring environment that tends to accompany those. I'm So I'm not going to reveal that teaser yet, but that's really the only thing I could come up with. Otherwise, I'm just looking at the card and coming up with unders, under, under, under. And, and I don't want to play a bunch of those. Um, notwithstanding the balance of the season because of the regression possibility, just like last week where week 13, finally we had uh, uh, favorites when I think 13, one and one straight up and 10 and five against the spread. So I just want to be careful out there. Seven divisional games. Every one of the divisional games involves a leader of the division. So you just mentioned the Jacksonville, Tennessee, Tennessee can't afford to lose any more games, uh, although they still, notwithstanding <laughs> the, the fact that they, they uh, three-game losing streak would be bad, they'll still be in first place in the putrid AFC South. Uh, that game is not on my card. It's anything that I want to play. I don't know what's going on with the injury um, situation. Both Tannehill and um, uh, Lawrence um, finished up those games as potential sort of injury candidates last week, week 13. Is there any indication injury-wise for either one of those guys? Uh, Tannehill should be fine to go. And Mark, uh, sorry, Trevor Lawrence, he is a pr probable. Like, I okay. don't know yet what Friday's practice report is going to show, but we do know that um, we do know that he practiced in limited fashion. And, like, I saw him up at the podium and he looked fine to me. Like he, he, I, I think it's a toe injury. I think he's going to play through it. I mean, I, Austin on Wednesday suggested that 
they might just sit him because then they can get a better draft pick. But I, I hmm. they're in the hunt here. This division stinks, yeah. and they're only three games behind the Titans, and they hold. They still have both head-to-head games left to go. I mean, if okay. they if they sweep the Titans and win one more game in another game that the Titans end up losing. Like you're winning this division at the present moment if you're able to do those three things. So God. Uh, I think this division is is there for the taking, and I do think both these quarterbacks are going to play. Okay, well that that will be good. I think we've spent um, plenty of time on on the um, you know one for the ages Jacksonville Tennessee matchup. Let's jump into a bunch of these these really juicy um, marquee divisional doozies though, and and we have two that feature teams that have uh you know superior records as underdogs coming in now that has been a theme of the season also don't believe um in the records don't overinvest in in wins um the the most fun one on the board is Detroit as a home favorite against the 10 and 2 Minnesota Vikings and across the board all the metrics support um Detroit Detroit's been in an absolute run uh, since week 10, um, you know, they're, they're, they're scoring the ball at an incredible rate. Uh, they smashed Jacksonville last week. They scored on every drive until the final, uh, kneel down. Um, I had to, I, I, on, on Tuesday's show, I'm a dummy. I, I think of myself as a man of letters. I mean, uh, I, I, I usually can possess, you know, a, enough sort of cultural literacy. I had to ask, what what is uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown's nickname, you know, and we were just sort of like talking it through the guys, you know, uh, Raheem and, and JJ. They're like, why don't we call him the Saint? Well, obviously, I'm on Raw is the Sun God. It's literally his name. It's in his name. Um, you know, from from uh, I'm, I'm going to botch the reference, but so the 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 Sun God when he plays that defense cooks. They're like seventh or something in in, in some of the uh, advanced analytics uh they have i think a, a superior uh point differential and what i'm really looking forward to is just a high scoring affair in a dome now i do i know kirk cousins at one o'clock um has been okay but you know who else has been okay at one o'clock jared goff 25 and 13 against the spread uh since uh uh you know last couple years covering five in a row in 2022 so great matchup and I like Detroit, but what I really like is just seeing these two teams go out and score a bunch of points, and I'm fine with um, playing the over. It sits at 51 and a half right now. So that's so this one, your top top bet, so to speak, the one you like the most is probably the over. And just for fun, like I'm not. This is not a, a big allocation of my uh, bankroll. It's something that it, it fits what I want out of my my uh, my juicy one one of the juicy one o'clock games. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. So in this game, I think it's actually going to be interesting. I think it's going to be fun. I will share a bet that I like on this one in a moment. But first, what I want to get into is the fact that this is a this is a great matchup for Jared Goff because the Minnesota Vikings play a ton of zone and he's absolutely brilliant at crushing zone. He is the number one quarterback over the second half of the season against zone coverage. And then conversely, this is a bad matchup for Kirk Cousins, not because this is a step up in class defensively. I love to look at situations like that where a team, where a quarterback has played 
a bunch of tough defenses and now plays an easy one or a bunch of easy defenses and now plays a tough one or for a running back played a bunch of easy run defenses and now plays a tough one. Like these are scheduling situational spots that are good to attack. This one actually, Kirk Cousins, his last five games, he's played top 10 defenses. So now he gets to go up against a defense that does rank around the league average at, at, over the last part of the season here. But it's because of the style that the Lions play. A lot of man, a lot of blitzing. And Cousins has massive splits versus man. Cousins has massive splits when teams decide to blitz him. And he drops from one of the better quarterbacks to one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of his completion rate, his yards per attempt when he's blitzed or when the defense plays man. And for those reasons, like if you look at what the Lions did against him in week three when they played, when they blitzed or when they played man, Kirk Cousins stunk. It's when they played zone or or when they weren't blitzing that Cousins actually was doing enough offensively to move the ball to end up putting themselves in this ability to come back 14 points unanswered in the fourth quarter to win the game that the Lions led in Minnesota. I think people forget about that game because it happened so long ago, but the Lions yeah. were up. 14 to nothing in that game in Minnesota. Everybody was shocked. Like, what the hell is going on here? The Lions are beating the Vikings 14 to nothing. Uh, but from that, from from that, there's a lesson. We also know that there's a lesson from when the Jets played them uh, last week, because when the Jets mounted their comeback in the fourth quarter and really shut this Vikings offense down, they upped their percentage, their their play calls of man coverage in the second half of this game. And they really slowed down Kirk Cousins and this Vikings offense to a crawl. So Jets did a great job of making adjustments in the second half to increase their use of man coverage. And we know the Lions play like amongst the top in the league to begin with in man coverage. So I think this game's going to be a challenge for them. But I do think that Goff with Amon Ra, with Swift getting a little bit healthier with this O-line there, I mean, the, the most fraudulent part about the Vikings beyond the fact that they are able to win all these games by one score, is their defense. And I think that the Lions are poised since the game's at home, especially to take advantage of that. You can see it right now at FanDuel, over 26 and a half for the team total for Lions points is at minus 124. I, I, I really like that bet. Well, they're averaging almost 32 points a game. And the only reason in their last four games, three overs and one under, the only under was the Stinky Giants only being able to score 18 points against uh, the Detroit defense. Otherwise, they, you know, they've been on a run, and we've been watching it all season. They've been these fun track meet games, and that offense really does get cooking. What's the offensive coordinator's name? Is it Ben Johnson? Yes. Yeah, that kid, he's on He's on the radar. Like, he's on the come up. You see him. I, I was so impressed after watching what they did to the Seawards very early in the season. They, he was just outclassed uh, uh, Jack Del Rio. Washington didn't have any idea what the hell was coming, but that, that that's going to be fun. And, you know, the, the the market is absolutely on the money with having Detroit favored here. All of the numbers support it, and your game script supports it as well. So I'm on uh, the over with a small play, and you like the team total over 26.5 for uh, Detroit. Yep, yep. So let's, let's move. I want to jump ahead. Yeah. I want to move to one of your, we'll come back and tackle some of the other games. That was one of my favorite bets of the week, in fact, was the over 26 and a half. I know the card kind of stinks. What is one of your favorite bets of the week? What is I, this teaser that you have floating out there? Well, that that is, that's my absolute favorite of the entire week. Um, and that is 
Uh, we already touched on it. I love the idea of Minnesota teasing them from the one and a half through the three and the seven up to seven and a half um, because of all of the dimensions of um, one score games that have been prevalent for really both teams, for both Detroit and, and Minnesota throughout the season. But all of their games, when Minnesota and Detroit play, it, it's always a one score game. And, and, you know, it's a it's a divisional matchup. Uh, Minnesota's far enough out ahead that um, it wouldn't absolutely be a catastrophe for them to lose the game, but that doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they're playing to win every single game, and it's a division rival. The other leg of this teaser is the Baltimore Ravens, who are underdogs in Pittsburgh with a line that moved, I, I think, like nearly a touchdown because of the injury to Lamar Jackson. I think the look-ahead was Pittsburgh getting four, four and a half, and then, you know, it, it, it has since flipped, and I've seen Pittsburgh favored by anywhere from, from you know, between uh, two and a half to one and a half, and it kind of bounces around a little bit. I This, this game is just your classic AFC North, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a brawl. These two teams know each other so well every t- time they play the total it's on the money it's 36 and a half like everybody knows what's going on here so let me have a two score teaser leg in favor of the ravens now huntley he's he's one and three straight up but three and one against the spread and harbaugh as a divisional underdog has a great record and this is just going to be a bare knuckles brawl i think it, one, one side or the other wins by a field goal so I love grabbing through the three and the seven with the Ravens as the other side of the teaser leg there. How are you sizing up this Ravens-Pittsburgh game? It's it's a it's a tough one to, to handicap, it feels like. It is tough because of what Lamar Jackson means to the Ravens and the lack of talent that they have surrounding him. Uh, and I know that Huntley is in the same vain as Lamar. Like he's a scrambling quarterback who is familiar with the offense and can get them to a certain threshold of what they want to do offensively, right? He can get get similar, but he's not as explosive as Lamar. And I do have concerns with their ability to have success without Lamar Jackson. That's been proven out over the course of the end of last season. Now, you know, they, they were in a similar position. I believe that they were the number three seed before Lamar Jackson went down last year. I wrote about it in my book. I would have to open to the page, but more or less, I think that was the case. And then he goes down with injury and then they lose all the remaining games that they play without him and they fall out of playoff contention. And it happened right about this same exact time last year. So for those reasons, I have my hesitation. However, as a teaser leg, I think this one is a good one. And my logic there is you got a Pittsburgh Steelers team, well, in part logic. Steelers played back-to-back games in domes against defenses that were, eh, you know, like the Indianapolis yeah. Colts are a decent defense, but they're not great. They're good. And the Atlanta Falcons are terrible. Um, the Atlanta Falcons decided to bench Marcus Mariota after that game because of how inefficient he was throwing the ball to open receivers down the field. Um, there were opportunities. Atlanta was able to run the ball to some marginal extent to try to do something in the game. They just couldn't get over the hump. And I, I was a Steelers backer there. I bet the Steelers team total over. So I was 
expecting uh, in the first half. So I was expecting the Steelers to come out and perform in that game, and they did. But outdoors against the Baltimore Ravens, who have had a little bit of time here to prepare for what they're going to get out of Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, I, I think this game is going to be that old school AFC North field position, make your field goals, uh, don't turn the ball over type game. And it's not that the Ravens offense is exciting at all or open or able to score. Like if they get down, they're screwed. Like yeah. they have to keep this game within arm's reach of the seven-point teaser window. They can't afford to get down by double digits or there's no shot of them coming back. But as a teaser leg, I, I can get behind this one. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. It's just one of these deals. It's the same kind of notion that we just mentioned with Detroit and Minnesota. These are always one-score games. Like the, the, neither one of these teams go out and beat the crap out of them. So let's keep it inside of one score with with, with the teaser. Um, and you know, two, two divisional leaders, two divisional dogs. Let's go ahead and, and see if we can't you know catch something a little bit uh, opportunistic here. The other thing that I love this week is uh, again a recurring theme. We hit let this this last week uh, pulled it right out of our butts. It's the unders in these NFC East matchups that are occurring up in, in uh, New York. And we last week 
had the Giants and the C-Words. Uh, that number finished, I think, at 40 Man, and a half. You are living, you are living right. If you uh, I can't wait to hit one of those bets. Maybe, maybe once in like uh once in the next three years, I'll hit one of those bets. I've I've I'm always on the way opposite end of bets like that. But that that was a beautiful under. You probably had like 40 and a half or 41, something like that. And the game is sitting there 20 to 20, headed to overtime. And nothing is scored in overtime. Absolutely. Like you are doing something right in your life, Joe House. Well, I was not, I was prepared to lose that money. And I, I would have been fine with it if Washington had kicked the field goal. That would have been a wonderful outcome. Um, but look, the, the 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 reason it was around that number is because of kind of the script that we imagined for that game. And I I think we're gonna see something similar to that in this Phil the Philadelphia. At, at the Giants, um, you know, Philly's uh, uh, laying seven. The total there is 44 and a half. And I think this is a game where um, Philadelphia, to their, all their immense credit, a very quick aside, what they did last week to Tennessee by saying, oh, Tennessee, you're going to take away the run. Okay, we have a quarterback that we trust. Watch this. And especially in the first half, the frequency with which they threw the ball, and Jalen Hurts was so accurate. Really, the the, I mean, he deserves to be in the top two or three uh, position that he occupies right now in the MVP discussion because his development over the course of the season as a passer of the football has been extraordinary. I expect to see a different game script, a game script that we're more uh, accustomed to seeing out of Philadelphia this football season against the Giants because they can do it. I don't think the Giants are going to be able to stop the multi-headed rush attack that Philly is going to show up with. Um, Philly's defense has been um, improving. They got Jordan Davis back last week, so the run D went out and put the hammer down. You talked about what they did to Derrick Henry. Um, And both of these teams want to, I think, try and control the game by way of of the run. Um, I just like, you know, the the 44-and-a-half feels like, you know, a couple points higher than what my mind's eye has seen in these matchups over the years between these two teams in December. So I like uh, the under in the in the Eagles-Giants game. And I also, I don't love laying seven, um, but Philadelphia could be a teaser leg. I don't, I'm not afraid of teasing Philadelphia from seven down to one. I think um, the poor Giants may have um, run the course in terms of all of the successes that we've seen from them this season. Do you have any handicap on this one? So, you're quite astute, my friend. You're quite oh! astute because there's there's actually an interesting opportunity here uh, with something that I am seeing and something that I am about to do. And that is, I think that there's an opportunity here. I just saw that Brian Dayball mentioned that Saquon Barkley isn't a definite for this game because of a neck injury that he's dealing with. And if you look at the schedule for the New York Giants, their big game is next week against the Washington Commanders. It's a rematch game against the Commanders. Oh, yes. And if the Commanders, if they can beat the Commanders in that game, it obviously goes a long way because they tied them this week. This past week, they tied them. They didn't lose to them. And as a result of that tie, it creates an opportunity for them to really move up in the division if they're capable of winning next week. 
why go out and really do a whole lot against the Eagles here if you've got a running back like Saquon Barkley who may not be at 100%. You're going to try to get him there for your next game so that that's a step. So you're not trying to lose this game, but you're undermanned against a better team. And for those Mm. reasons, like I do see the Philadelphia Eagles making a pretty decent teaser leg because if Barkley is out, this line is definitely going to move through the seven to seven and a half. I mean, he's he's one of their best players on offense. They don't have a lot there. And that's the key to beating the Eagles is to be able to run on them. And so I'm not saying that RB2 couldn't give you close to what RB1 is giving you, but there is a big gap for Saquon in terms of his explosion and, and those types of things, especially behind this line. So I think I think the Eagles could potentially make a decent teaser, like if especially if Barkley is out. Well, and, and we want to see... I, I like that total. I still see it sitting there at 44 and a half. That, that will, will that move a safe Quan's um, definitely ruled out? Yes. Yes. I see Westgate. I mean, this is all happening in real time, which is yeah. great for the people listening at home. Um, it's going to be a few minutes late, but you're going to see what we're looking at. I'm looking at the board and one book already moved to 44. One book moved to 44 and a half under minus 12. They're still yeah. 45s. That's a that's a brilliant part about like this is not a quarterback. They didn't take the line down everywhere. The line is still up. You could still tease Philly on a six pointer to get them uh, Eagles minus one, um, and uh, and the total still at 45 at a bunch of spots. Okay, well, uh, so so there we go. Teaser leg, and and I I like the under. I'm just playing NFC East unders, not blindly, but you know, 44 and a half. It's just you know, tiny bit too high for for my mind's eye i want to ask you a question do you do do we think that this is the week that that joe burrow finally beats the cleveland browns i mean we, all of the the uh research everybody the, the talking heads and everybody want to talk about how um cincinnati notwithstanding the hot streak that they've been on the last loss that they had was to the cleveland browns and it's very juicy because we have uh deshaun watson rusty deshaun um, showing up against, you know, a, a team that has been a nemesis to Joe Burrow. Man, I'm not um, in a p- position where I'm going to be uh, investing anything in Cleveland, notwithstanding the fact that they do seem to have Cincinnati's number. But um, I'm, I'm, I am intrigued by this game. I, my my I- interest is, is seeing if the Bengals are sick of hearing this talk and if they want to come out and, and prove a point and they're going to punish Deshaun Watson and, and the Browns uh, as a result of this. This this matchup is super important for the Bengals um, because they are you know neck and neck with uh, Baltimore. And you know we we just went through that Baltimore Pittsburgh game. I mean I'm sure they're they're looking at that. They don't presume any outcome in in that game. So they have to keep the pedal down. They have to keep winning. And their offense has been outstanding. Um, how you how you capping this one? Well, I do find it interesting. Right now, the Ravens are still minus one twenty five to win the North over at FanDuel, and the Bengals are plus one ten. And preseason, I bet the Ravens to make the playoffs. I'm glad that I bet the Ravens to make the playoffs rather than win the division because I am worried about these Bengals and how they're looking and how their defense is playing. And as long as the offense doesn't shoot themselves in the foot too much. Like, I think this offense, that's from a coaching perspective, I think this offense is capable. And this is a big game for them. You're right. And this is an opponent that they've struggled with. To, to me, 
the hard part about this game is if this was Jacoby, I know this sounds crazy. People are going to think this is ludicrous. But if this was Jacoby Brissett, I would have bet Cleveland plus six and I would have bet the over 46 and a half without any question in my mind. Probably two of the stronger bets. But I don't know if you can shake off the rust in one game. Deshaun Watson had preseason to play. He had all regular season to throw the ball to, to you know, if, I, if I'm Deshaun, I'm hiring guys, I'm, I'm paying guys to stay after practice with me, run more routes. I'm getting, I'm getting other guys from an, from another team or from a, like somebody to help practice with me, right? I am trying to stay in game ready shape and I'm obviously working with the ones leading up to this game. And, and yet he delivers that performance, which just looked like he was completely clueless out there. In addition to he didn't have his legs under him, in addition to his accuracy looked off, like there was just a lot of things. And I don't know if those are all things that like just because he hasn't played in a couple of years. I don't know if that's something to just shake the rust off in one game. Well, that's the concern. That's the way he looked against Houston, against the Texans. I mean, this, this Cincinnati thing is a whole different situation. You mentioned, you know, you would be all over the Browns at these numbers. These these wouldn't be the numbers if if Jacoby was starting. There's no way that, that Cincinnati would be favored by six. The line would be like three and a half or four at most, it feels like. I would, I would I would take the Browns at four. I would I had circled this game uh the day after Halloween. On November first, <laughs> I circled this game and I thought like I was expecting Deshaun Watson to play better than he did against the Texans. And I circled this game. I didn't bet anything. You know, you could bet futures, like future lines. I didn't bet anything at the time. But I circled this game and I was going to, I set an alarm on my phone. Like I set alarms on my phone. I'm, cra- I'm crazy like that. Sure. Like games that I want to look at into the, into the future. And I had an alarm for Sunday at like seven o'clock that this Cleveland versus Cincinnati popped up at seven o'clock on Sunday, just to remind me, I already knew obviously, but just to remind me. And yeah, that's the, that's the frustrating part here because I do believe Kevin Stefanski knows how to coach against this defense. I do believe Kevin Stefanski's defense knows how to play against Joe Burrow and frustrate him and get enough pressure. And so I think it's going to be a great entertaining game. The line certainly says that this is the week that Joe Burrow should be able to get his first win against his in-state rivals. Uh, But I, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't be confident if I was betting the Cincinnati Bengals. Although I have seen very sharp money come in on Cincinnati at minus five, and I've seen sharp money come in on Cleveland plus six. This is just such a wild card because there's a lot of disagreement in the marketplace on a lot of different games where sharp groups are lining up at one number, it moves a point, point and a half. Other groups are lining up on the other number, and just battles breaking out and ensuing. There are very few games where it seems to be taking one-sided action. Well, there are two other games that I want to hit, and I'm wondering if that dynamic um, is is at play. Um, and I'm staying away from Cincinnati-Cleveland. I just want to enjoy the game. I want to watch it. This is another one of those where hopefully the, the refs don't intervene and mess up um, the outcome. Buffalo laying 10 at home against the Jets. The total is only 43 and a half. Obviously, the Jets beat Buffalo last time they played. So Buffalo, you know, with all that revenge, there's weather in the forecast. There is, you know, the potential for rain. We know it's going to be in the 30s. Early in the week, it looked like there might be snow. And I contemplated jumping on an early uh, uh, underplay 
with the snow potentially in the forecast. Now it looks like it might be rain. Um, definitely going to be windy. This is Mike, the Mike White revenge game. He got benched last time he played Buffalo with five turnovers. Um, but I have been so impressed with this Jets defense. And my strong lean in this game is the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Just getting the 10 points at a total. When your total is 43 and a half and you're getting 10, yes, that, that's, that's a recipe for some, some investment for me. Not a huge play, but a little bit of an investment. And that, that just I, it's a really a tip of the hat. To, to Robert Sala and the, the Jets' defense more, more than anything else. I mean, I still think Buffalo is going to win this. I'm fine with, like, Buffalo is a potential teaser leg. Buffalo is a leg on Moneyline uh, parlay, which I might finally play now that we have some of these divisional games occurring. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the Jets' defense, league low, 26.6 yards per possession this season. The opponents only scoring on 30% of their offensive Drives and Buffalo's had red zone um, difficulty. So it's a ton of points when your total's 43 and a half. You have uh, an angle on this Jets-Buffalo game. I don't, but you raised some good points there, and I'm actually on the fly cooking up a formula here to look at what is the ATS mark for divisional dogs catching at least nine points on a total that's less than 44. Mm. And the record is 23 wins, 24 losses, and three pushes on an ATS mark. So we are like one game below 500. Obviously, some of those pushes uh, could have gone a different direction. And it is better. Well, if you scrap week 17 from the the mix, then you're going to have actually a losing mark catching this many points. And I guess the, the old saying is there's a reason why they're giving you this many points on a low total to try to bait you into taking the the underdog here but i don't have a position on this game and i don't know that i'm going to certainly uh the problem with mike white against this defense is they are not susceptible to play action which the minnesota vikings last week who he played they the jets are using more play action with mike white and the vikings defense is the worst in the nfl against play action this game you know the the buffalo bills do not have a susceptibility to play action and so I don't think that's going to be beneficial. Um, the challenge, though, is, and, and the, the Bills' defense is a little bit healthier. The interesting note here, though, is that you look at a team the way the Jets played. Last week, they go against the Vikings. They go to the red zone six times, convert only one touchdown. They almost win the game at the end, but they end up losing it. They're minus two in turnover margin. They have twice as many penalties. Like All of these things that are kind of, I don't want to say arbitrary, but could have, even if it was like 50-50, they're definitely winning this game. They all went against the Jets. And so they lost the game by a razor-thin margin. Usually the next week, you would have the guys that pay close attention to what the statistics that are deeper than just the game itself, like the final score of the game. They're going to be jumping onto the New York Jets in a spot like this. But the line was open, opened at 9 and is now up to 10, which tells you that they're not buying into what the Jets did they saw the Jets' first half where they didn't really do much. They saw yeah. the second half against a bad defense where they were able to move, uh, move the football against the Vikings. They're not buying into it. Still, I'm not laying the points with the Buffalo Bills here. Um, I don't love the way that Josh Allen and the Bills are resorting more to just like 
handing the ball off on the ground. I don't know if that's going to work against this team. The weather could be ugly. Um, you may have a little bit more running than they're used to seeing. And I don't know if that's going to ultimately see enough success against the Jets to get margin and keep margin. Because those are the two things you need to do when you're laying points. You not only have to get the margin, but you have to hold that margin so that you cover the spread. Okay. Well, I, it's not a strong position for me. Um, and speaking of not strong positions, I might need your help with this next one. I might need okay. you to help talk me out of, because I really want to do this. I really want to back Sam Darnold on the road. I really, I, the, the version of, of what we saw out of, of Carolina, Carolina Panthers are on the road at Seattle. Seattle is favored by four points at the, at the moment. The total in that one, 44 and a half. Um, and I believe in the version of Carolina that we've seen this year when Baker Mayfield hasn't been part of the mix. They're four and two against the spread and three and three straight up without Baker, a competitive team, a team that, you know, some folks, including uh, our beloved pal, the Podfather, had slated as a potential underdog for uh, NFC South divisional champ. Now, the, the Saints kind of ruined that for us this week. They kind of like just kicked us right in the nuts with any possibility of anybody other than Tampa winning the NFC South. Um, but Carolina, I'm not ready to, to go to sleep uh, on them. J.C. Horn is back. And really, this is an opportunity to me to fade Seattle. I feel like maybe the Seattle is a tiny bit overvalued their defense was bad at the beginning of the season. Then it looked like they kind of straightened things out. But they have been awful. They played bad defense against Tampa. They played bad defense against the Rams. Both of those teams had some of their highest offensive uh, metrics. And the defense uh, is, is, you know, over the last month, they're back to being, you know, a bottom three team. This is Seattle I'm talking about. They have no pass rush at all. I just slightly believe in Carolina's defense a little bit more. I think Carolina's going to put some pressure on Geno Smith. There are good numbers out there that show that Geno doesn't love the blitz, doesn't love pressure. So I'm in this position of having to invest in Sam Darnold. You want to try and talk me out of it? The thing I like about Carolina is they're coming off of a bye with Sam Darnold, having that extra time to prepare, knowing that he's the quarterback. And they just played two brutal defenses, right? They played the Baltimore Ravens and they played the Denver Broncos. And now you go up against the Seattle Seahawks, which we saw last week what this Rams offense was able to do against them. This is not a very good defense that the Seattle Seahawks have. This game's going to come down to one thing and one thing only for me, House. And that is, will the Carolina Panthers running backs see success on at least 35% of their runs? Can they maintain a little bit of success running the football on the ground, not have to resort just to the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Since week three, there were five games where the Panthers saw their running backs record a success rate on the ground on early downs of less than 35%. They lost all five of those games by pretty wide margins in most cases. Every single one of the losses was at least by double digits, okay? To the Ravens, to the Cincinnati Bengals, to the Rams, to the 49ers, and to the Cardinals. However, in games where they saw their running backs record at least a 35% success rate on early downs, they went 4-1, and one, averaged 25 points per game, and their lone loss was against the Atlanta Falcons in a 37-34 shootout that exploded late, but that the yeah. Carolina Panthers were in control of, 
We're up at halftime, but for a pick six thrown by P.J. Walker to end the first half, I mean, Carolina should have uh, won that game, in my opinion. So that was a very tough loss, but they were 4-1 and one in their other games. Um, it's going to come down to can they run the ball? And the Seahawks have a below-average run defense. They rank bottom 10, uh, and they've been atrocious the last three weeks against the Tampa Bay backfield. They allowed 164 yards. They allowed 273 to Las Vegas and, and Josh Jacobs. And then Cam Akers had 60 yards plus two touchdowns in his rebirth two weeks ago. So I think if Carolina can run the football, if you believe that they might be able to run the ball, Carolina is a good bet. Two-headed monster, Dante Foreman and Chubba Hubbard. Uh, Foreman, that was one of the things looking at it. The injury report looks like he's going to be Fine, you know, good to go kind of uh, situation. So I'm going to hold my nose. That is going to be one of the things that I play this week. I think we're kind of like approaching exotic uh, territory in the show, which means we'll have the betting buddy uh, opportunities lined up here. I my, The, the yep. Twitter has been going absolutely nuts. But I want to make sure everybody remembers it's Friday. So we're going to throw up and, and hopefully not make you throw up a wonderful same game parlay. The NBA slate is full. It's me, Raheem Palmer, and John Jastrzemski uh, at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Check the Twitter wire. We will have a same game parlay uh, up. At least four legs pulled together. I don't have a good feel for who I'm playing yet on that thing, but as always, check that thing out. Sharpie, I'm going to maybe play a tiny, tiny, tiny amount on a plus money uh, money line parlay because we're in this December divisional favorite territory and we've covered all of these games. I'm going to do a little thing that I want to just tell everybody. It's going to be uh, Philadelphia. It's going to be Dallas. It's going to be Buffalo. It's going to be Cincinnati. Little bit of a money line parlay. We don't have to go through the merits. We've already touched on all of those games. I just wanted to share. I'm feeling a little bit juicy. Now it's December divisional time and I'm going to go ahead and get that in. But let's see what the people have for us. Yeah, this is always one of the best times of the show to find out what we can convince you of. Now, keep in mind for all the betting buddies out there that I, on Twitter, post the tweet to ask you, what is your favorite bet? Then we start recording the show. You post your bet in here within that hour. We are going to get to your bet most likely. Now, the key is we're going to make you famous by choosing one of you. Your bet doesn't even have to win. We're going to make you famous. You can show your podcast, you know, hold your phone up to your wife, your girlfriend, your your brother, whoever, you know, you can, you, we're reading it out here on the Ringer Gambling Show, call your name and your, and your tag. But here's the other thing. You may be contacted by somebody else and you may be getting something as a result of being the lucky one who gives us a good bet. So this is beyond just getting made famous on here. There could be something else in your future. I can't say that there will, but I also won't say that there won't be. Um, so let's go through this list here. And the other key that you have to know is if House already liked your bet, unfortunately, you can't win. So you got to give him something new to add to his card, right? So I'm going to go through a couple of these. Like somebody likes... Seattle minus three and a half. Well, obviously you're not going to go. We're not going to go for that because House is on the other side. Um, but somebody else likes the Giants Eagles under 44 and a half. Well, House already likes that, so we can't go there. Uh, but let's go through a few of these. Mike Blewett, he's over at uh, Sports Grid, who I work with as well, and oh. he likes the un the 
over in the Dolphins Chargers first half at 26 and a half. He also is playing a derivative for the Kansas City Chiefs. He likes the Chiefs minus five in the second half. So he likes both of those. We got Matthew Ola, who likes the Detroit Lions first half and full time. I think I heard on the Podfather show last night, he was arguing for a first half and full time bet, but I can't remember what game that was on. I don't know if that was the Detroit Lions. I don't know if uh, he stole that or not, but um, <laughs> at any rate, Hawkinson, another guy, Hawkinson, like Hawkinson over four and a half receptions. Huh. Um, Steelers teased with the, what you, you don't want to tease no, the Steelers. No, I'm not no, teasing okay. the Steelers. Sorry. Um, you guys got to be very quick with your bets here. You got to, you got put, put writing paragraphs. Aren't going to help me read them <laughs> off on the show. Um, Stay, Steelers, Sharpie, I, Ravens tied at the half. You got you got one that you found? I found one. What is the odds of that Steelers, Ravens? That's a hilarious bet. What is it? I, he doesn't list it. He just oh, I, he well, says I, it better than better than fourteen to one odds. Better than fourteen. Give my to son one. Nash the shout out. Fourteen to one. Uh, Steelers, Ravens to be tied at the half, and it's go under thirty six and a half. That's kind of fun. I that that that's worth like that's worth a beer. You know what I well, mean? Well, the that's long, the long shot bets are 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 hard to pick as like the bet, right? Yeah, but, it's not. It's you, not. I just want to give kudos. Who is that? Who's the Twitter? So that's Nate. Uh, Nate dig it e dog. Okay. Nate dig it dog. Nate dig it dog. And shout out to his son Nash. Love that bet. Not going to be one of the betting buddy wagers of the week, but I do love it. Sharpie, I just want to call your attention to one and get your reaction to this. Now, anytime. That you, this 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 dude is appealing to my what what he he knows me well. This is Daniel Ubel. He's at Daniel Ubel one. You spell Ubel U E B E L. This is a money line parlay. I already expressed my affinity for the money line parlay position. It doesn't involve any of the teams that I have already lined up in my own money line parlay. He wants to put together the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Patriots in the money line parlay, and he says otherwise known as the fading the dipshit coaches parlay. Which is just fantastic because you're going up against Brandon Staley, you're going up against Nat, Nat, Nat Hackett, and you're going up against Cliff Kingsbury at home um, in a money line parlay. Now the the odds reflect it's plus two fifty four. That's a fun one. I'm getting on with that one. That's one for sure. Uh, any opportunity to, to fade those bums? Now I I I, I could. Concede that there are legs that are that are vulnerable in this, but let's go against these 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 dumb coaches. Uh, uh, fantastic opportunity, great job by Daniel Ubel one. What else are you seeing out there? Okay, so that Daniel Ubel one that'll be a, a long shot one that House is going to select. So congratulations there, uh, you are now famous. Let's go for a second one though that has lower odds that is more likely to hit. Because I told I told Bill I said you know a lot of these parlays are just. Like, they're difficult this year in a season with so much variance, like combining results so much. That's I didn't say that on this show, but I got to throw that in there. Like you guys need to stop betting so many parlays in a season like this, especially when the outcomes aren't correlated at all, like one game versus another game. Like if you're doing a same game parlay that you can correlate something to, the odds are obviously going to be reduced. Okay, I understand it. But in a season like this with so much variance, like, Making parlays on on multiple different results is, is just challenging. Let's go through a couple others here. Um, 49ers first half, 
money line and 49ers money line game. That is the one I'm almost positive that Simmons liked was that one. So Griffin, uh, Simmons is already on that one. So you got good company there, but House can't take it because that's a Simmons bet. Uh, Vikings money line, I think House likes the other side there. Uh, Carolina plus six, House likes that side as well. Can't go with that. Texans plus 18 for a horn dog, Urban Meyer analysis. <laughs> no, I don't know about that, House. What do you think? That is a horny dog. That is a horny, horny dog, but I, I don't want any any part of any of that. We just haven't seen that's enough a long out of horn. Houston. That's a long horn dog. That's, that's a <laughs> that long dog long. there. It might be too uh, long. Okay. Joe Burrow over 15 and a half rush yards against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Broncos plus nine and a half. Your boy, the sun god, over 83 and a half receiving yards. Um, yeah, I want to get in on some of this Detroit action. Let's let's keep talking. Okay, okay. Uh, you you want me to focus on that game and talk about the game or read well, more props? I keep seeing some like a lot of folks love um, Detroit here. So we have Sun God at over eighty three and a half yards. I don't hate that. I see Lions team total over twenty six and a half. I don't hate that. I see same game parlay the Detroit money line and a Swift anytime touchdown plus one sixty five. I don't hate that. Like all, all of those Detroit plays. I mean, let me just pass along my spiritual and maybe my uh, financial support, my economic support for all of those ones. So we'll shout out all those dudes, Jeff Rouse, uh, Matt Bowker, and Vince uh, Miselef. Uh, and, and I can't get through all of the, the Twitter handles. It'll take me too long. But shouts to all those dudes for all that Detroit action. I love the way you're you're, you're leaning and the way, where your head is at. But let's pick one more final sexy one that we really feel like we can hit Sharpie and it'll be a week 14 winner. Okay. Do you, do you have one that you've seen? We got Nick Chubb longest rush. We got Miles Sanders over total rushing yards at 61 and a half. We've got a couple guys like the Broncos, one that likes the Broncos and the under, which is correlated. And obviously that's what you, I believe that you should be backing. If you're liking uh, the Broncos to cover that game. Another guy here likes the jets plus 10. Um, Let's see, Rams plus six, Amon Ra over seven and a half receptions, and his nickname is the Sun God, easier to say and pronounce. <laughs> uh, elite matchup and has hit this number in three of his last four games. Um, another guy responded to Charlie Wright's comment and said, definitely doesn't feel like Vegas has caught up to Amon Ra's usage yet. Value has been crazy the last few weeks. Um Giants plus seven, Patriots. I mean, there's a there's a there's a lot yeah. here. Well, so. let me let me jump into one that I think fits some of what we were talking about, and then I'm going to bounce it off of you. If you endorse it, this is the one I'm going to play. We've had a nice run on um, the overs with quarterback rushing yards, and yep. I like um, based on what seems to be kind of the way the game script might line up, um, and and some of the tendencies we've seen out of the Bills lately. It looks like Josh Allen is available at over 40 and a half rush yards. Um, this is from Breezy at Twitman Breezy. Um, I'm going to play that. He, he had 86 yards uh, at Twitman Breezy points out he had 86 the last time against the Jets. I honestly think that that is a, a, a good um, element, a crucial element of how the Bills um, will intend to, to control the line of scrimmage, control the, the, the game script here. So I'm going to go ahead and play that one. Do you have any reason to tap the brakes on that? The only issue that I have is just you don't know when Josh, with his elbow injury and with his coaching staff, when they're going to get him to take off. Last year, I felt like it was far more predictable and dependable and bankable 
this year, there's a lot more variance to it. Um, so I don't hate it, but I'm probably personally not going to be betting that one. Um, but hey, I, like I'm obviously now going to be rooting for it for sure so that you and Breezy can take home the paper. <laughs> so the two betting buddy bets of the week. Now, we, we gave shout outs to everybody that had the Detroit action. And we gave uh, a shout out to the dude and to his son, Nash, um, uh, on, on another angle out there. Um, but the two bets that we played were this uh, Josh Allen over 40 and a half rush yards. And the other one, the, <laughs> the fading the dipshit coaches parlay, Dolphins, Chiefs and Pats in the money line parlay plus 254 from our homie Daniel Ubell. Those are two pretty good bets, Sharpie. Let's go. Let's cash it uh, and keep this train rolling. I know that we're up on the season with these bets. You guys have a lot of good suggestions, making everybody some money out there. And and House tries to needle them down, needle them down to uh, the la- the best ones that he can find. So before we finish up here, House, what is your bet? The house here for Week 14. Yeah, the divisional December doozy. Just love getting the Vikings up to, o- over uh, seven. Uh, the seven and, and the Ravens up over the seven. Both of those, that's a two-leg teaser. The Vikings is plus seven and a half. The Ravens at plus seven and a half. Um, you know, your your your, your normal minus uh, 110 action. Let's go ahead and, and collect another sensible teaser for the week. And that'll do it for the week 14 edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. Stay tuned all throughout the weekend. We've got more World Cup betting podcasts on lockdown. We also have Raheem Palmer dropping by on Sunday with his favorite side bets of the week. Special thanks to Joe House for joining me and to Stefan Anderson for producing the show. See you next week. Good luck on Sunday. Sunday.